Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And this is Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. The Milkies Softies Nursing Pads are three pairs of soft, absorbent, and reusable nursing pads to protect against leaks. And today's episode is also brought to you by Sheila Darling Coaching. Sheila Darling is a social worker, certified hypnotherapist, and mindfulness meditation teacher, and could be your start to a more peaceful life. Um, we'll hear more about our sponsors later, but these sponsors make this podcast possible. So please head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page if you need anything. Check there and see if you can give our sponsors any of your business. Uh, while you are there, you can scroll down to the bottom and enter your email address, and we'll send you the episode right to your inbox every Monday. And uh, now Diane has our review of the week. Yeah, this is from Northern Girl 44. And she says, we are the one-stop shopping for breastfeeding. I love, love, love their podcast. It's upbeat, informative, but so real. I love how they keep it honest, but insightful through the, any motherhood journey. I enjoy the non-sugar-coated information about parenthood, breastfeeding, and empowering moms to make their own decisions about child development and more. Thank you so much, Northern Girl. Thank you. We appreciate you. And I, I really do appreciate that you enjoy our non-sugar-coated information because <laughs> sometimes we're a little too real and we have had some people tell us like that's scary to them. So I'm we, but you know, I mean, we're, we got to put it out there. So, yeah. I mean, some of the information is not fun to hear. No. But the fact that it's not being talked about or that it's jarring to people is like also troubling because <laughs> it's like, we haven't heard about it and we're not talking about it and yeah. it needs, everything needs to be talked about. It needs to be heard. So thank you so much for the, the review. She put this on iTunes for us. So that was really great. Um, if anybody wants to send us reviews, we would love it. Please send us reviews. But you can put them on iTunes if you want to, or you can shoot us an email at badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And we get them there as well. And that's about it for my review. Great. Yeah. So we're so, going to talk. Yeah, this week we're talking about information, more information that is probably not talked about very much that need people need. That might not be pleasant to hear. Yeah. But it is important. Oh, my God. It's so important. It is. Yeah, because, I mean, C-sections are happening and a lot of times breastfeeding is being interrupted, which, you know, happens. And so yeah. how do we how do we deal with that? Yeah. So C-sections. And in fact, I can't believe we came this far 200 episodes in or whatever without ever talking about it that's what we say a lot about these topics how yeah. in the world did we get this far without talking about this very very important and huge issue and you know and i've been well i was a childbirth educator for several years and we spent maybe like a minute and a half on c-sections oh you my know God. and i think I really think it's just what for me, especially when I'm talking about it, I don't want people to feel like, OK, that's going to be me. But the reality is it's one in three. One well, in three say, people. You spent a minute on it. And what's the percentage of C-sections in this country? It's, it's really high. We need yeah. to be talking about like what, what to do. Yeah, it's I mean, our, our birthing parents, one in three birthing parent is going to end up with a C-section. Whether it be scheduled, unscheduled, emergency, and we'll talk about the difference between those two. Um, it, it just, it, it's a reality. Yeah. And then what happens to breastfeeding? And I do have some parents that will contact me and say, I'm pregnant, I have to have a C-section. What's going to happen to my breastfeeding relationship? Is it going to be ruined? 
are we still going to be able to breastfeed? Is that going to impact right. things too much? What's going to happen? Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is, we're going to talk about the reality of it. Yeah. We're here to help you meet your, reach your breastfeeding goals, no matter what is going on with you. Yeah. So and today the we... thing that's going on with you is C-sections and maybe not you, but now you have the information. I know. So if you are somebody that already had a C-section, like I had a C-section with my twins. If you are somebody that had a C-section, then, you know, you have probably some of the education behind it. You lived it. You know what the recovery is like. If you are pregnant, this is great information for you. Um, if you went through it, baby, this is, you know, going to be really empowering for you to go, oh yeah, I did those things or this, is you know, my breastfeeding relationship wasn't ruined from this. And that's a really important thing to remember that C-sections can be a little bit harder to kind of get things going, but it's not impossible. Yeah. It's absolutely not impossible. So should we talk about the stats? Yeah, let's do it. The stats are kind of cool. So the statistics is, like I said, one in three. But I have, I did a, was telling Abby this morning, I did a training, <clears throat> excuse me, for a health department here locally um, and I, a few months back. And I did a, it was like all these different topics, but one of the topics was C-section. So I have this whole presentation basically that is, was just put together just a couple of months ago. So I do have statistics from the United States and from around the world. So it's kind of cool. Mm. In New York, where I am, the C-section rate is 29%. Wow. Where you are, Abby, in Illinois, it's 23%. Mm-hmm. Where are some other... Those are big numbers. They're big numbers, yes. Florida, you're at 31%. Um, they might be the highest. Are they the highest? West Virginia's at 31%. Oh, no. Um, no. Nebraska's at 34%. Mm. Yeah, that's looks like Nebraska's the highest at 34%. Who's like, the lowest? Um, you know what? Minnesota's at 18. That's still really high. Idaho is 17. Yeah, it's still high. New Mexico, 17. Um, oh, Louisiana, you're at 32%. I know everybody is listening right now going, what about my city? I know. What about Wisconsin? What about California? What about California's <laughs> well, 26? Can, can we put the stats on there so people can look up there? Yeah, I should uh, be the, able to put the stats up. There. Um, we can, you guys can look at your state because I know everybody always wants to see what their state is. Yeah, so definitely you're going to want to check out the, if you're somebody that skips the show notes, which, const, I mean, I, I skip mean, show notes when I. in the world could you skip the show know, notes? We were, sh- Diane, uh, we, Diane <laughs> works really hard on those show notes. <laughs> I put a lot of love in those show I, notes. I copy and paste them onto the website. Yes. Abby does her part. <laughs> but I will, this is going to be chock full of info today because we won't be able to get to everything. And I have videos right. and stuff too that I'll probably want to post up there. Pretty cool. So cool. I want to see it. But so, and I was going to say like those stats, as far as our stats, like just in Illinois, and this is the case everywhere, like then you can break it down by hospital. Mm-hmm, you can. Because there's some hospitals that are like, I know there's a hospital here that's C-section rate is like 40%. I and then you have other hospitals, you know, that are much lower than that. And um, that's really interesting too, what's coming into play there. And that, it's funny you should mention that because that is one of the things they talk about when 
you are planning your birth mm, yeah. yeah to know what what is the c-section rate at the hospital you plan to have your baby at right those statistics are going to apply to you mm-hmm. you know if you were birthing in that hospital and, it's and really, you get to you, did, you know i'm sure there's people who are listening who maybe they don't have much of a choice you know because you live right. in a smaller town and there's only one hospital um so but it's still good to have that info actually exactly if you go in informed and you go in you know then you and it's not hard to get that information i mean unless you know that you can find it it's probably something you never thought you'd ever need to look for but right. you can find it it's out there mm-hmm. so which countries conduct the most c sections dominican republic oh. you're on top mm. at 58% whoa yeah the United States overall averages out at 32%. And this is of all births. Mm-hmm. Um, Brazil, you're at 55%. And I knew Brazil Ooh. was high. Brazil, Egypt are both at 55%. Um, Mexico, 40%. Venezuela is at 52 It's just really high around the world. Yeah. It really is high. So the reality behind it, how many C-sections do you think they're supposed to be? Anybody know? Anybody yeah. know? Like, like I'm giving question. my presentation. Anybody know? <laughs> Anybody want to want to jump out there about what it's supposed to be? I, I don't know. I mean, I would assume that, you know, we'd have to break this down by like, what are the real risks? What are when is a C-section really appropriate? When is it overused? Yeah, when is it, you know. I actually have all that info. Okay. So, World Health Organization, and we talk about the who a lot. Um the the World Health Organization, they say that at our population level of the world, Mm-hmm. C-section rates higher than 10% were not associated with reduction in maternal and newborn mortality rates. Okay. So they're saying that anything over like 10% is likely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. That's really. Yeah. That's striking. I mean, this yeah. is a, you know, we have a very hospitalized culture. We, you know, we like to put, and as we know around birthing, especially, I mean, I could speak around about our culture is that, um, we have medicalized birth, you know, we've made it into a, into a medical situation when it's actually quite natural. And yes, there are times where we absolutely need C-sections and they have saved lives. Um, absolutely. and that's what that statistic means, right? Yes. That when it's used for that way, it actually increases, um, it actually, you know, is addressing the mortality rates. And then above that, it's, contributing to them right right absolutely so indications for primary cesarean deliveries so these are noted reasons for primary first time c-sections these are the reasons why cesareans are being performed not necessarily guidelines Mm -hmm. of why you should have them low labor dystocia which is like your labor stalls Mm -hmm. abnormal or indeterminate fetal heart rate Mm -hmm. and that can happen because of an epidural which we'll talk about more i think we have an epidural episode coming oh no we do we have epidural episodes in the past yeah yeah that can happen because of an epidural or because of medicated deliveries pitocin things like that fetal malpresentation 
So if your baby is sideways, if they're um, posterior, which means they're facing the wrong direction, um, that can make it a lot harder or take a lot longer for them to come down. So sometimes you'll end up with a C-section with that. Multiple gestation, and that was me with the twins. Um, suspected fetal macrosomia, which is a fancy word of way of saying big baby. This is one that I hear a lot. Yeah. You, I had to have a C-section because they thought my baby was going to be too big. Fetal macrosomia or a big baby is not an indication for a C-section unless your baby's going to be over 11 pounds. How often do you meet somebody who has a baby over 11 pounds? Yeah, not that, not that often. I've met two people who had babies over 11 pounds and they both had them vaginally. Oh, well, yeah, you know, it stretches. But they don't know. You know, like they can do an ultrasound and they can assume or get, you know, a little yeah. bit of a general idea of how big your baby's going to be, but there's no guarantees there. And I have had people say, well, my doctor encouraged a C-section because they thought the baby was going to be too big but, and the baby ended up being like seven pounds. Yeah. That actually happened with me with my first. They kept telling me he was going to be too big and was really pushing a C-section. And I was like, no, no, no. And he ended up, they said he was going to be over 10 pounds and he was eight eleven. Which is oh. still a good size baby, but he wasn't over 10 pounds. Right. And I remember looking at my doctor and I legit said to him, if I had let you go ahead with a C-section, I'd be so pissed off right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, because <laughs> it was, he was not over 10 pounds. They, they don't know. And those right. ultrasounds, they have a fail rate of about 10% yeah. in one way or the other, one direction or the other, which usually it's lower than being too too high so reasons why c-sections happen that are life-saving are problems with the placenta like placenta previa yeah. or abruption like that's a really major reason for a c-section which is life-saving infections diabetes high blood pressure mm -hmm. um, cord prolapse where the cord maybe they break your water and I, i've never this is not something that happens commonly, but they break your water and the cord actually falls through. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an emergency C-section. So let's talk about the difference between an emergency C-section and a unplanned C-section. Yeah. And then what we do about breastfeeding, because that's probably why people are listening. Yes, absolutely. And then we're going to get into the breastfeeding piece of things. So unplanned C-section is when you labor, maybe it was an induction. One of these things happen, maybe the baby's heart rate drops and everybody gets a little nervous and they don't want to keep, keep continuing on with the labor. So they say, okay, we're going to bring you in for a C-section. That is what we call an unplanned C-section. It's not like, oh my gosh, we have to rush you in and get this baby out immediately. An emergency C-section is where something happens during your labor that they say, oh my God, we cannot wait any longer. We have got to get you in right now and do the C-section. And they put you under general anesthesia and they just take the baby out. It is a very quick, that is an emergency C-section. The mm -hmm. other, otherwise it's unplanned. And then you have your planned C-sections. Mm -hmm. Like my, um, my C-section with my twins was planned because my daughter who was baby A was breech and they won't deliver vaginally like that. Or at least they won't do that here. So mine was a plan C-section where they gave me a date. We knew when it was going to happen. Boom. Done. Um, those are the three kinds of C-sections you're going to get. I often hear people say I had an emergency C-section 
when it was actually an unplanned. So I usually try to ask. And the reason why I like to know is because it makes a difference with breastfeeding because of the medication. Mm -hmm. You know, when they put you under general anesthesia, you're out for longer. You're, it's more medication in your system. You don't get your baby right away. Whereas with unplanned C-sections, a lot of times you can have your baby immediately. So there's a big difference there. So let's talk about the breastfeeding piece. Should we break for an ad break real quick before we get into that? Yeah, why don't we? And then we can go right into breastfeeding. And then we'll go and spend our time on that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Leaking can be a constant struggle that some parents deal with, especially in those early months. Leaking through your shirt is not another hassle you want to be dealing with. And those disposable nursing pads add up in cost and garbage and work about as well as the time I rolled up toilet paper and stuck a wad in my bra. The Milky Softies nursing pads are designed to keep you dry and comfortable. These pads are three layers, a natural fiber layer against your skin that wicks moisture away and is soft enough to wear even with sore nipples. Then an inner ultra absorbent layer and finally a microbe leak resistant layer on the outside. The Milky Softies Nursing Pads is contoured to your body so that it doesn't look or feel bulky in your bra. The box comes with three pairs of these reusable and machine washable nursing pads. Check out Milky Softies Nursing Pads at fairhavenhealth.com. That's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N health.com and use promo code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase of anything there. And today's episode is also brought to you by Sheila Darling Coaching. A new baby can add intense amounts of anxiety and depression, no sleep, feeling overwhelmed, looking at your sweet baby and wondering how this tiny human can cause so much chaos. The transition to parenthood is an entire identity shift you weren't prepared for. If one more person tells you that this time goes by so quickly, you might just punch them in the face. Transitioning to a new family member takes patience, self-compassion, and support. Sheila Darling Coaching can be that professional support that Diane and I are always saying there is no shame in getting. Sheila Darling is a social worker, certified hypnotherapist, and mindfulness meditation teacher, and could be your start to a more peaceful life. Head to SheilaDarling.com to schedule your consultation today. And mention the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast when scheduling your consultation and receive 10% off of a coaching package. Uh, All of these sponsors and their promo codes can be found in our show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. And our show notes will also include further information about things we talked about in this episode. And you'll find breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. And our shout out goes to uh, King Ya, queer birth worker, uh, queer and trans repro justice advocate, Birthing Beyond the Binary. You can find them at Queer Birth Worker on Instagram. And they actually have um, workshops on, you know, the topic of queer and trans reproduction and justice and advocacy and um, workshops called Birthing Beyond the Binary. And it's a very interesting and and very informative and educational feed that you should put in yours at Queer Birth Worker on Instagram. And uh, let's get back to breastfeeding with a C-section. Yes. So we're going to talk a couple more numbers here. 59% of birthing parents are lex- that get a C-section are less likely to exclusively breast or chest feed at the hospital discharge. 
So more than half of our families that get a C-section, by the time they leave the hospital, their baby's been supplemented. 59%. So some reasons why that happens. One of the reasons, some of the, well, there's lots of reasons why it happens, but some positive associations that go along with it. Families that did not supplement or that were able to just continually breastfeed without exception are families that were prepared as far as with breastfeeding education. So if you're listening to this podcast, that counts. We'll count you for that. (laughs) So you get, you know, the more education you have and the more support you have, the better those families did. Yeah, because you're advocating for yourself in that setting. You're knowing what is necessary and not necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're not just being told, oh, this, and then and you don't know any better. Because sometimes, a lot of times, when you're in a hospital, you need to be advocating for yourself. So some of the things that you can do to encourage a strong breastfeeding relationship. Now, first of all, I would recommend having a talk with your provider and really knowing, you know, what their stance is on C-sections, how to prepare yourself if that's going to be, if that's the route you end up going for whatever reason. A lot of hospitals now are doing gentle cesarean sections, which means that they let you have the baby right there in the, in the OR. Some of them have like a clear screen so you can see the baby being born. So talk to your provider about that. See if that's an option. I have somebody who shared their gentle cesarean story on my blog. Um, and so if you're interested, we can put a link to that too in the show oh, notes. Yeah. And if you are interested in reading about that, just to get more information about advocating for yourself for one of those, then you can have her story at least to go by. If you're planning to do a birth plan, add C-sections on there. Add what you want for a C-section delivery on there as well. I mean, it, it's obviously not the direction everybody wants to go, but like we said, one in three, it happens. So if you can add some things on there, really think about if I need to have a C-section, what do I want here? What are the things that are going to make that a, a really successful birth for me? Mm-hmm. Because if you have a C-section, that doesn't mean it's not a successful birth. And I think that's what a lot of families really feel, that C-section means failure. And it's not. It's not at all. No. And there's a lot of people who plan C-sections that are mm-hmm. not just because, you know, it's a like you're, we have multiples or some sort of disease. A lot of people plan it because they have a history of sexual trauma and it feels too triggering, you know, you, this is your body and your right to make the decision for whatever is going to be the most successful and healthiest thing for you. I had a mom once that contacted me. She was having a plan C-section because she'd had ongoing back issues and back surgeries Oh yeah, and knew that that would just be, and she, I felt terrible for her because she said, I'm getting a lot of pushback from friends and stuff telling me that that's not what I should be doing, but I know that that's what's right for me. I know. I know it. Don't be judgy. We're only allowed to be judgy. Nobody else can be judgy. (laughs) We'll decide if the judgment is appropriate. That one is not. So (laughs) that one is not the appropriate judgment. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, but some of the things that you can do 
is, like I said, if you can have the baby in the OR, that's fantastic. Um, if for some reason you cannot, and that might depend on why you have to have the C-section, but if you can't have the baby right away, as soon as you can have the baby, do lots of skin to skin with your baby. Mm-hmm. A lot of skin to skin. It doesn't matter about the medications that you get when you have a C-section. You, if you are awake and alert, you can have your baby and put them to the breast or put them right to the nipple. Right. And lay them and you can just lay them like horizontal. Is that the Mm -hmm. right way? Right. Horizontal. Parallel is along. Horizontal is like horizontal your body, like above the, so they're not feet, uh, you know, you can get into a nice comfy position with the whole body snuggled right under your breasts. Absolutely. That painful area. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, The more you can keep them skin to skin and that's, that might be a difficult thing or you might be listening now going, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. Yeah, of course I'm going to put them right, you know, right up to the nipple and, and feed them as soon as I possibly can. But if you have to have a C-section, there might be a specific reason why and you might not feel that good. Maybe it's high blood pressure or some other situation that makes it so that you're groggy. You might be, you know, not feeling good. You maybe went through a super long induction that ended up in a C-section and you're exhausted. It's just not working for you. All that stuff is okay. Do not beat yourself up over that. As soon as you can. That's exactly what happened to me after my 30 hours of induction labor. I was, I had a vaginal birth, but she came in and she's like, the nurse was like, do you want to do skin to skin? And I was just like, I'd been in labor for 30 hours and I was just like completely dazed. And I also had no information about how important skin to skin was. And mm-hmm. I was just like, no, yeah, that's I a great said, example. No. I yeah. just said, no, I don't feel No, I don't want to. And now I'm like, God, it takes like no effort on my part to just like put the baby on me and us lay there like that. One, number one, I didn't have the information. And number two, I was so couldn't think straight. Mm-hmm. I, I was so freaking exhausted. I just didn't want to do anything. And that's okay. It yeah. is not going mean, to ruin anything for you. It's fine. It's totally okay. I have a lot of families that will ask me if I, you know, what if I can't breast or chest feed within the first 30 minutes or the first hour after delivery? Is that going to ruin everything? No, it's not. It's not. No, there's things that are like ideal. And then there's things that happen that are not ideal. But then it just means that we need to like work around those issues. You know? Like you just work it. You just now, you know, you just work around it and having people around you that are educated in it. Like of course, a lactation consultant or a doula. Mm -hmm. Um, Doulas are awesome. We should do an episode on doulas. Oh my God, we should. Yeah. um, These people can help you, you know, just get around these initial barriers. So if you, I mean, if, if it happens that way where you're just like, I just can't do this right now. I just need you know, I just need a break or whatever. If your partner can do skin to skin. Yeah. That's fantastic because it still keeps the baby intertwined and connected with, with you as a family. And then when you can, when you are feeling better, it's your skin. Yes. You want the baby on your skin. And as you feel more comfortable and able to do skin to skin and able to put the baby to the nipple, then do it as much as you possibly can. Make up for that lost time. Do it as much as possible. 
latch the baby as much as possible. Remember, it is not about the feeding. It is about the connection to you and your baby. They can't be latched too frequently. They really can't. So, and the more stimulation is going to be more milk for you as well. The more stimulation your body gets. And that's one of the reasons why we see with C-sections, we see delayed we see delayed breastfeeding, which makes milk come in later. So we see that we call it delayed lactogenesis, which is a fancy way of saying it takes longer for your milk to come in. So primary C-sections, like your body just goes through so much trauma with that surgery, there might be more blood loss. So you are, you might be looking at an extra day before your milk comes in. So where we usually say, okay, your milk comes in with a vaginal birth, like maybe about three-ish days, but C-sections might be closer to four days. But the more stimulation, the faster your milk comes in. So keep that baby on you all the time, if you can. That makes a huge Mm -hmm. difference in bringing your milk in and keeping them fed. And then they won't need to be supplemented Mm -hmm. if that's what's going on. Now, should we talk about why babies might struggle a little bit after a C-section? Yeah. Okay. So the reason for the C-section is, could be a reason why they're not breastfeeding well. I mean, if you think about a long labor, like Abby said, she had, you know, a 30 hour labor. Imagine how tired you are. Right. And the medication that's involved with that. The medication does impact how the babies breastfeed. We know that that's research-based, that's evidence-based. We know Mm -hmm. the, the medication does impact how they breastfeed. So longer labors usually, not always, but, and especially C-sections, obviously, will include more medication. C-sections also might include a little bit more trauma. I mean, they're being pulled out. Mm-hmm. So there is, can be some more trauma there. There's also possibility of more fluid in their system. We know that when babies come through the vaginal canal, they're getting, those contractions are pushing the amniotic fluid out of their system. Like it's literally clearing the amniotic fluid out of their system when they get pushed through the vaginal canal. When they are born vagin or born via C-section, they're not getting that fluid pushed out of them. So they are more like we used to call when I worked in the hospital, we used to call them gunky. Like they'd be like gunky. You could hear them. They'd be like Mm. coughing up a lot of gunk, um, a lot of fluid in their system. They don't like, like fluid in their belly. They don't really feed as well. Sometimes if it's really excessive, they suction them Mm -hmm. like with a deep suctioning thing all the way down into their stomach, which is hugely invasive, but it does happen. So those kinds of things can keep your baby from really being an efficient feeder and really wanting to feed. Um, Delayed, like we were just talking about putting the baby to, you know, up to the breast or the chest late in the game because you're not feeling good. And that is directly related to, you know, why the C-section happened as well. So like we said, just be easy on yourself. You know, if you end up going in this direction, obviously you're in good company because it's very common and it doesn't mean your breastfeeding relationship won't happen. You might need more support and you might need a little bit more guidance, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen absolutely can still breastfeed your baby. Yeah. And I mean, you know, problems addressed early, the earlier, the better. 
So don't wait until things are totally out of control. And, you know, if the people in the hospital are not that helpful, you know, don't be too surprised. It doesn't hurt to have a lactation consultant in your back pocket. Especially if you're if you're pregnant right now. Mm -hmm. Get a hold of one in your area or anywhere these days. (laughs) <laughs> um, and you know, just because, you know, then you can, now you, then you know who to call. I just had my baby. We're having some issues and then you can deal with that right away. Again, doulas help with that too. They can help you all the way through the birthing process and then postpartum as well. And if, and if you're in, and then that's a helpful person because if you do need a lactation consultant, if you need somebody with lactation information beyond what they have, they know them. Absolutely. You know, then they can get in contact with one for you and set that up and they can just be like your, yeah, that's what they are. They're your advocate. So a couple of things to, you know, to kind of leave with here. Talk, if you're pregnant now, talk to your provider, find out what their process is for C-section deliveries. Can you have your baby skin to skin with you in the OR? Will they do a gentle C-section? Um, how quickly, you know, what's the breast or what's the C-section rate? for the practice you're in. That's a question you can ask them too. This is all good information to have, just to kind of have. Put it in a birth plan, how you want to go forward if you have a C-section, that you want your partner to be able to do the skin to skin if you can't. All that stuff, put all of it into the into your birth plan just so mm-hmm. that everybody knows that this is what you want yep. for your and make birth. a bunch of copies and hand it to everyone even if they look like they don't need it mm-hmm. keep the baby with you i know you sweep the floors down around here here's my birth plan just in <laughs> case you see something going off off the rails <laughs> here we go so you know that's exactly yes hand it to everybody <laughs> um keep the baby with you lots of skin to skin Keep latching the baby as frequently as you can. Be gentle with yourself. Realize that, you know, but the more education that you can get on it prior to having your baby, the better. And not even just, okay, I need the specific information on C-sections. The more information you just have on breastfeeding yeah, will help you. The more education you have about how frequently your baby eats, how many poops and peas are supposed to have, you know, what life is like in the beginning, how sleepy they are. Those things are great informational pieces to have, regardless of how you birth your baby. So you're going to need that information going forward. And the more informed you are, the better off you are, the better your outcome is going to be, just bottom line. But that's, yeah. And we're going to put a lot of this stuff into the show notes because I have some cool videos and everything that we can add in here, which would give you a little bit more information on breastfeeding after cesarean too. So that would be, if you're interested in seeing more, check out the show notes and we'll put that in. Badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. That's where all that stuff will be. That's where all the magic happens. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks, Diane. Ah, my pleasure. See ya. Bye.